Welcome to the MBA Talk podcast, where we talk everything about career progression for MBAs. I'm joined today by Orestes Peristeris, Opnes professor and employee at a consulting company. In this episode, we will talk about discovery of companies or how to do research on companies we, as MBAs, may want to join. This episode is part of the consulting series where we dive into how to get into consulting. This show is brought to you by Opnes Institute. At Opnes, we teach advanced management methodologies like Six Sigma, Agile, Data Visualization, and more for MBAs. Let's get into the show. Hello, Orestes. Welcome back to the show. I'm very happy to have you here back again at MBA Talk. And we were talking about consulting the last time, and we will talk uh, consulting in next episode as well. However, in this episode, I think this will be very helpful for people that want to go in any kind of industry, right? Yes. Uh, thanks, Andres. Nice to be uh, back again. That's right. So we have uh, the series that we've prepared. And this will be a you know series on recruiting as an MBA, uh, you know, in business school. So we will cover uh, a number of topics, uh, you know, in the series itself. Uh, you know, going through uh, looking at, for example, discovery. You know, how do you discover companies? Uh, how do you do effective networking? Preparing for interviews, applying for jobs, uh, and then also finally choosing the right company to go for. Uh, and then also moving to the new, potentially the new country uh, where your job will be. And uh, we can share a lot of practical experience and learnings uh, over many years in this topic. Nice, nice. Okay, so starting with the topic for today, which would be discovery. What are some initial points you can give about discovering companies? Yes, so, You know, it's very important before um, you start applying for jobs as an MBA to specific companies uh, because it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, you know, it's also the, the success of an application is not guaranteed. So as an MBA, uh, students need to make sure that, first of all, they know that they're targeted in the companies that they're interested to recruit into, right? And uh, this uh, comes from a number of places. So clearly, uh, the first area is uh, what is the goal of coming into the MBA in the first place? So some people maybe want to stay in the same industry, but move to a different region, uh, you know, or a different country. Perhaps they want to work on a global level where before they were working on a subsidiary or on a, on a local level. Uh, and, you know, you need to think about these goals. Other Uh, students, you're interested potentially in going to a new industry or a new job. So maybe people are previously working in oil and gas. Now they'd like to get into sustainable investing or before they were working in engineering or, or software development and now are interested in consulting, right? So uh, it's important for each person individually to think, okay, what are your goals for coming into the MBA? What is your motivation uh, from a career perspective? And then to already use that as a foundation to say, okay, uh, which industry, which region, and which companies am I really interested in so that you can be targeted in your applications and in all of the efforts that you will make, uh, you know, in your, in your recruiting process. The second thing to think about is very important. This is actually an advice. So if there are people that have not yet joined an MBA or are still considering which business school to join, Uh, as well as students that are currently in an MBA, 
is to go and research what are the companies that typically recruit from your school. So there's a number of ways to identify this. One way is in the companies, um, in the jobs reports that the, the school publishes, they'll normally show which are the top employers from the MBA program of your school, right? And how do they know this? They have different ways of defining it, but normally there's a threshold to maybe taking more than one student in a year um, or having a trend of recruiting students over many years. Uh, so that's definitely in the jobs report. You'll also see it in the recruiting fairs uh, that are taking place on campus, companies that are sponsoring events on campus, uh, companies coming to do presentations on recruiting days. So maybe they have a consulting uh, recruiting fair or they have um, you know, a, an alumni or a networking event or a CEO presentation. So it's important to look at also the previous years and also the current year's event schedule because there students will be able to see, okay, these are the companies that are already planned to come to campus. Maybe the CEO is an alumni of the school. Maybe they uh, have a relationship of multiple alumni or they have a longstanding relationship of this with the school as well. And this is already an indication that these are companies that are clearly interested in hiring students from your particular MBA. Right? So that's a clear one. Another one to understand the target, the target companies for your school is also to see who are the donors. So the major donors or contributors, financial contributors to the school itself. And there you will also be able to see it in, uh, you know, in reports, in, uh, you know, so especially in the U.S., the schools also publishing the donor lists uh, annually of the alumni and companies that are sponsoring the school. You can even see maybe there are some lecture rooms that have been sponsored by specific companies. That's also a very uh, you know good indication. And then also you know so for example when I was at HEC Paris in the MBA, there's actually uh, in the main foyer before you go to the library, all of the donor companies actually have plaques on the wall, so you can even there walk up and then see you know, which are the companies that are the major donors on the school. So if they're major donors, then it's also highly likely that they will also be interested in recruiting students from the school because there's already quite a, a deep partnership, right? There's an established partnership and they see the value of the school. That's why they donate to the school. And clearly it, it also extends then to the, they see the value of the students having an education, from um, from that MBA. And then uh, finally, I mean, the other aspect when it comes to discovery uh, is that, you know, I would always advise students and also as an MBA admissions uh, interviewer myself, uh, I'm also, you know, it's one of the key things that we interview for and we test for is, you know, the clarity of career goals, you know, post MBA, the feasibility of those goals. And so clearly it's good to have a well-developed vision and an idea before joining the MBA so that when you can really hit the ground running and be targeted when it comes to your research and your recruiting efforts. However, it's also possible, and this is also a benefit of joining a global MBA, is uh, preference discovery, right? So it happens very often in a good way that students already have an idea of what they want to do. But then actually, when they join the MBA, you learn about new industries or new sectors or new possibilities that maybe you weren't aware of before, or maybe that's really innovative or only existing in the region or the country where you're doing your MBA. So that can also be definitely viable, you know, to see, okay, perhaps you can do some discovery and um, you know, then you also discover companies uh, which also maybe align to your goals or you develop your goals further. 
Maybe they also have partnerships with the school that you didn't know about them before. And uh, this is also interesting and it's, it's perfectly good to do that, to allow this preference discovery to take place. So I can give like a, you know, some examples for myself. So when I was in the MBA at HEC in Paris, the luxury sector is a very strong recruiter and, and a sector for the school itself. And they have also, we have luxury certificates you know, in partnership with Kering Group, which is uh, owning Chanel, also with uh, Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy Group as well, because the CEO is an alumni of HEC and so on. So I was also using that as an opportunity to get exposure to the luxury sector through club activities, treks, you know, speakers on campus. And, you know, at a point in time for me, it was really seen as viable. It was a marketing job, a branding or, a, you know, a kind of a retail-based industry. You know, it was very interesting already. And the other sector that I discovered was the impact investing sector. So this is where you have venture capital combined with social uh, mission or social goals and having a combination of this. And that was also something interesting and something I considered quite strongly and would still consider in the future. So, you know, as we will go through in, in the, the latter part of the podcast, you know, where you discover this, these preferences. But um, yeah, I would say like these are, the, for me, these are the three key areas that stand out to say, okay, you know, which companies in terms of your discovery would you target? And I can maybe also add one more to this is just to think about your own skills and how they align with a particular industry. So as you're in the MBA and you're learning about the, the companies, you can then also see your profile and your skill set where it's a natural match for certain companies and industries. And that, of course, is also good when it comes to, you know, coming up with a short list or a target list of companies. So in terms of this first part, really the aim, you know, in the whole discovery, the output for you should be to have a target list of companies, companies, roles, and regional country. So that's then you can be specific because the companies are also recruiting on this way. So the companies are recruiting on a regional level for specific jobs as a company, right? And also the, even the relationship when we get to networking later on in job applications, there's sometimes even separate websites. There's definitely separate recruiters for, for different regions. So definitely whether it's consulting, whether it's um, marketing roles or banking, whatever the case might be, a role, when you apply, the recruiter will always be a city or country-based recruiter. And they know the requirements of that country or that region for their company and the roles that they recruit for. And their relationship and the review of your profile will be like that. So it's also then important that you target your application as well. It's very seldom that there are global job applications. It's very much on a national and a regional level. Got it, got it. Okay, so anyways, let's say I'm a student with a clear vision of my goals or either I don't. I need to map out all these variables or all this information, right, about companies, key trends, cultures, geographic expansion of the companies. Yeah, can, can you talk a little bit about that? So what are the key things I should be aware of about when uh, researching for companies? Yeah, that's a very good point. I think that um, it helps to produce, uh, create kind of a matrix, you know, have an Excel spreadsheet and have a table, right? So this is also helping with your planning so you can also keep track. So first you can use the sheets. Overall, you can have an Excel spreadsheet, which I also had myself to manage your recruiting efforts, 
right, to keep track of everything. And the first step of doing that is to then you know capture all the information. So as you're doing the research, is to then actually write in your research and the key points of each company that you discover, right? So some of the key factors would definitely be, you know, what is the company name? Where is the headquarter? Because that tells you, you know, what is the the country culture of the company? Is it a U.S. company or European, Asian company? And it also tells you, you know, kind of a little bit about the culture. Then another key factor is the sector or the industry that they would fall into, right? Because there's also a general trend. Of course, if it's a luxury industry, there's a common culture. If it's consulting, there's also a common culture and a common recruiting requirement, yeah, because they're recruiting for the same type of profiles or same roles. Same with investment banking or with energy sector. Every sector has this, you know, their kind of common aspects. So it's also good to kind of categorize them for yourself and know, okay, uh, if I'm looking at Amazon, this is an e-commerce business, for example, and note it like that. Following the sector, it would then be to look at, you know, what is the main business of this company, right, to understand that. And sometimes it sounds like a simple question, but if you dig a bit deeper, it's not. Because if you look at Amazon, for example, the first thing that comes to mind is e-commerce, right? But then on the other hand, the way Amazon organizes the business is actually in three major parts, the three main parts we, we know about. The one is the e-commerce business, and that's actually more broken down into the merchandising, the product side, the, the retail side, where you have vendor management, merchandising, and inventory management, and product management roles that they recruit for. And then you also work with uh, sellers. So you have um, the marketplace, you know, which is the marketplace where Amazon has third-party sellers listing the products, as well as the products Amazon sells themselves. But then on the other hand, you also have the operations side. So within Amazon, the operations division and logistics is run as its own entity. Right? And then you also have recruiting and is a career path and there's roles only in operations. From a leadership development perspective, on the GM level, you know, and there could be regional or you know, site-specific roles. And then the third part of Amazon's business is the Amazon Web Services, which is the cloud computing arm. Right, so also total different business unit, different skill set, different requirements. So that's what I would say is that look at each company and understand the business that they're in. I can give another example. I, I did my uh, internship in the MBA at Merck in Switzerland, and if you look at that uh, business, it's a pharmaceutical company in general, but actually it's made up of three parts. One is the pharmaceutical business or healthcare business. One is uh, high-performance materials, which is used in aerospace and automotive manufacturing. And the other part is diagnostic equipment. Right? So even within that, you can see that on the, uh, below the surface, you need to understand the business units of companies. And because that, then when you investigate roles, it will be there. The next section to look at is to see what are the key principles of the company. And then you can read, you know, on the statements uh, on the company, they have maybe a um, list of principles or a mission or values that they would publish, right? And for example, Johnson & Johnson is one company that has this. So they have the credo, which they refer to, and this is from, you know, a, a very strong part of their culture of what is the purpose and principles of the, of the company. And clearly also in the recruiting process, when they're looking at bringing people into the company, the people that have a high alignment and a high buy-in to that credo and that way of doing business will 
definitely have a higher chance. So one way is that you can align yourself with the culture, but you can also see if the culture is, is also fitting for you as an individual. The next line you can put in there is what are the key skills that they're looking for? And of course, this is the kind of job that you're interested in, so you would need to be role-specific. But what you would do there is you can actually look at job profiles that they have in the area. So if you're interested in the finance role, for example, you can go on LinkedIn, you can go on their career site, and you can actually go and see what are the requirements that they put in their job profiles. Are there some common elements? Is there a trend? Because if there's a number of skills or characteristics that are repeated, you know from a recruiting perspective or HR perspective that these are key principles that they're looking for. And that also gives you and helps you to, pre that is already starting to help you to prepare for interviews and app job applications because there will be a job application, there will be a cover letter and then an interview as well. And again, it's about fit at the end of the day, the recruiting process. And, uh, you know, finally, what I would say is also to just save any links. If you're doing research, you know, put the link for the actual career site, put the link for the company information and, uh, you know, add it to your sheet. Because if you want to go back and you're starting to prepare for a job application, then you don't have to start from the beginning. So it's saving you time to have the links and going directly uh, back. So, you know, these are the things that I would recommend as we're going through the podcast series. I think it's good for us to come back to this tool, having this Excel spreadsheet. And then we can see, okay, how do we add on more information as we progress through the process? But this would be the first column for sure. Okay, okay. What other things can we research that maybe at first sight we are not aware of? Right. So when you actually so start doing the research of the companies that you're interested in, right? So in the discovery, you have an idea in terms of targeting. Now it would be to go and do in-depth research. And this is the next step, actually. So the first step is a high-level overview, what we've discussed so far. But then it's now narrowed down. So the idea is that we have this uh, target list and now you need to research the companies in detail. And these are some tips um, that I will share today. So one of the key things when you're looking at your industry is what are the key trends of that industry? What is currently happening? What is the top of mind issues that's affecting the whole industry? And that's also in the mind of the leaders of companies, in, in the employees, it's the content of the strategy of those companies. Um, it's something that gets discussed at conferences. It's something that everyone knows. It's almost like this common knowledge about, okay, these are some factors or trends that for the next five years are going to affect uh, the business. So, you know, some examples at the moment, uh, given the current situation, is the work from home is a trend, right? And the work from home is a, even a stronger trend in the tech industry as well. So I've seen you know this um, this week there are some companies uh, you know tech companies that are saying by default they are now work from home or remote working companies and the offices will be scaled down and just kept as a co-work space or as a collaboration space as optional right and the fact is there they will also then be having remote workers in all you know countries and regions so that's a trend another key trend that many people will know is digitalization the digitalization, it's affecting all industries, some more than others, but it's always, that's a key trend as well in general. And uh, so these are some of them. But if you get into specific industries, you can then see uh, what are more of the trends, right? So sustainability is also a strong trend. 
So some trends are there existing across all, uh, going across the whole uh, sector, all the sectors and industries. But then there's also another set of trends which are more specific to one industry. So if you take it, for example, retail, the retail before was brick and mortar, then it's moving a lot to online or mobile shopping. Yeah? And for example, in the luxury industry, this was the case. So before it was always in the store, having the culture of the high-end boutique and the relationship with the customer and the customer coming in with an appointment and seeing the products and then having the assistants helping them to buy something. And now that's been evolving. And now actually you can even buy high-end um, luxury goods or fashion items online and have it delivered at home with a return policy of 30 days. So that's definitely a trend. And the trend is, is important because it's going to say how do you, they, they want to see of how the MBAs, the future leaders of the company, are going to help the company to be ready for the trend or to take advantage of the trend because this is new and when they hire new people with a fresh, uh, you know, freshly minted MBA, they know that you have the latest knowledge and they want you to be part of those initiatives, which has also been the case for myself since I've started in consulting. I've done, uh, I've spent the first, um, you know, part of my tenure there actually in digitalization topics. So this is already giving you an idea. The second part to look at is the culture of the company. So the culture of the company you'll get from, so, you know, you look at it as, you know, what is the culture? The culture, we can define it as the principles. What are the values of the company, right? What do they put on the uh, annual report? What do they put on the website that they say, if as a company, this is our mission statement, this is our leadership or principles. This is how we engage with communities. This is our view on environmental sustainability, right? This is our goal of how we service our customers. So there's a lot you can see about the culture from what is published, because this is what the company is saying about itself. This is what they're proud to show. But the culture you will also get by meeting people. And in the next episode, we will cover the networking. So, you know, and there's, so there's different ways as well of um, seeing the culture firsthand, right? Definitely also doing job treks or career treks, which many schools are doing, to actually go to the companies to visit their office or to visit their operation. That will also give you an idea of the culture, of the style, of the employee's behavior, uh, of the, the skill sets that they have. Like, do they have more technical people or is it more marketing people? Or is it more financial orientation? You know, so... Sometimes it's also like, what is, is it more of a finance business or cost-based uh, industry or company? Or is it more of a brand-based business? Is it a consumer-focused business or is it B2B, right? Because that's a different culture, a different approach if it's consumer-oriented versus business or B2B-oriented. I guess the type of clients that you will uh, work with defines a lot about the culture as well, right? Absolutely. So that's a, that definitely affects the culture. So if someone is working in consulting, you know, it's a B2B market, but you're clearly dealing with executives on strategic topics, you know, of companies, uh, you know, with projects with large budgets. So clearly there, you know, the culture is going to be, you know, a certain type of culture of doing a project uh, for a very strategic topic in a short time frame with very high quality output and a strategic view, right? And that and having, okay, being in professional services, wearing a suit, uh, also having a tie, meeting with senior people, being prepared, being professional, 
that's going to be very important. Of course, on the other end, if someone, if you're interested, uh, if MBAs are interested in joining startups, for example, of course, it's a whole very different culture, right? It's more informal, more agile, more dynamic, more casual. And um, that's important to know because first of all is what is your preference? So if, you know, you can see which style you prefer. But the other one is, of course, the the fit. So when you go for, um, if you apply for a job or have an interview with a tech startup, it will be a different process to a consulting firm for sure. Yeah, and that's how you can see. That's kind of, I think, a good contrasting example yeah, of culture. But the other aspect is products and services. So just, it's very important to know, like, what does the company actually produce? What does it do? Yeah? So is it a product company? Is it a manufacturing? Is it a services type of business? Uh, very important to know the product portfolio, to know the brands, because when it comes to networking and interviewing, this is how you actually portray your knowledge and show your knowledge of the company to a recruiter or to uh, someone who's working there. Right? And people in the company, they attach to the brands, they focus on the products because that's the main purpose of the company is to produce the goods and services. Right, So do the research on that. Know also uh, if there's some interesting upcoming products or services that you can also show that you have an insight. And one example of this is in the pharmaceutical industry that, you know, pharma companies have massive investment in R&D on certain uh, medicines or drugs. And, uh, you know, the approval of, uh, of a drug in the market can have a massive impact, a positive financial impact on the company and on the share price and the success of the company for next, well, at least a 10-year period. So, you know, when I was working in pharma, this was also important to know to you could, because you can see which drugs are actually in clinical trials with the FDA, for example. Uh, and, you know, based on them being in clinical trial phase and the prospect of them being approved, this is also very good detailed knowledge for discussion with uh, the pharma company to show that you understand also the drug pipeline and what's important for them uh, because that is a key part of their business is the R&D uh, pipeline as well. The other one is also to, if you do detailed or deep dive uh, research, is also to know what is the next products and services of the company. And this sometimes you can get from interviews that executives make, maybe a podcast, maybe a, um, an article in a business publication where a CEO uh, or uh, you know head of a product group will actually make a statement to say, uh, you know, previously we were focusing on like automotive industry. Previously, we were focusing on diesel technology and fuel efficiency. Now we're very focused on uh, e-mobility and electric vehicles and autonomous technology, right? So coming into the company, it's good not to talk about what's currently happening, but more about what is where is the company moving to and then to show your education and skills on the future state of the company from a product or service perspective. Right? And I think that takes me also to the next point. So like company strategy is also critical, right? Because the strategy for, for good companies or the best companies have a strong culture, but they also have a very clear strategy that gets communicated to the employees. And again, knowing the strategy also helps you to fit with the company itself, to know where it's moving. Does it is it motivating for you? Does it make sense? And then also how do you relate to that? And also showing the fit that you have with the company. That, that you see this uh, this interest to support them to meet the next five-year strategy that they've set up. 
The other one is regulations. Uh, so regulations are important because it's something that people in the company, the managers and the senior people are thinking about because it's it's something, it's a regulation maybe in Europe or in US that's changed that they now need to adapt the business model or they need to change the product or change the service process. So that's also a good one from a talking perspective, from a showing knowledge is understanding what are the regulations? Has there been a, a change? Is there a potential change that can happen? And then showing, you know, that you have an understanding of it. Also for you as an MBA, that maybe there's a regulation that could negatively affect the industry, right? And that also is helpful for you to see, okay, is this the best company to join? Or is there potentially some regulatory risk on this company? So at the moment, uh, I mean, there's some examples of this. So clearly the tobacco industry uh, is under pressure. So regulatory perspective, there's always more regulation every year to reduce advertising, to change the packaging, uh, to do a lot of different, uh, you know, a lot of regulatory impact, which ultimately will affect the viability of the industry or the financial um, performance, right? Um, you know, it's also been discussed for the last few years, even since I was in the business school, is are tech companies a monopoly because they've become so big, they have great products, of course, they have great brands. So this is like Amazon, Google, uh, Microsoft, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. And then there's a the discussion of, you know, are they too big? Is it maybe a monopoly situation? Does it need to be more competition? And it's always then becoming a topic. You know? Even with Google in the European Union, there's been a number of rulings where there was, you know, potentially, you know, uncompetitive behavior. So even your strongest companies, you need to consider, okay, is there something there that potentially it's a risk, but also that you can help them if you join. The, you know, moving further then also business model, very important. And I think as an MBA, for me, it's probably one of the most important is to understand the business model of a company. And what we mean by business model is, you know, how do they operate? How do they create value? So it's not just the products they sell, but how do they create value? So if it's a pharma company, clearly there's an R&D perspective that they do, but there's also an M&A component because they're also buying startups or biotech companies that have very promising discoveries and doing an M&A to buy those technologies or those uh, patents or those drugs to then develop them further. So M&A is already there, R&D is already there. Then clearly there's the regulatory approval process. So that's an important part of the business model, the regulatory affairs and getting approval. And then the other important part of the business model is the sales and distribution, right? And manufacturing. So, you know, having this end-to-end -end understanding of, okay, what is the model of this business? It also then helps you to say, okay, where do I fit in? Where do I have the skills? If you're recruiting for a position, which part of the model is this position in and how do you add value as an individual coming into that? Geographic expansion, the next point, also interesting, right? So companies that are geographically expanding, if, you, if they're expanding in the region where you're from or region you know, that's also very helpful because then you can position yourself as, a, as an expert, as knowledgeable on the local market that they want to go into. You can already give them some advice. You can show that you have some ideas because if you understand the business model of the company and the product portfolio and the strategy and the key trends, you can then also relate that and come up with your own concept of how they should enter the market and how they should um, adapt the product uh, portfolio. So this would be a very interesting conversation 
when someone is joining a company to show they know about the expansion, but also that they already have some ideas on how that would best work. Competitive environment, another one, right? So just knowing what are the competitors of that company and what are also not just direct competitors like, uh, you know, the different brands that compete, but also what are the competitive products and services beyond the traditional ones that you can, so is there a substitution, right? Is there um, a competitor, uh, you know, for example, a trade-off? So if you have Netflix, people would say Netflix can be a competitor for the restaurant business because people decide to stay at home, they'll naturally eat at home or they want to have an experience out of home. So it's like in-home versus out-of-home competitive options as opposed to just uh, Amazon Prime Video versus Netflix. And that's level one, basic comp competitive analysis, but then taking it a step further. Disruptive factors, also people focus on this, you know, what is disrupting an industry uh, definitely is top of mind. So people are really aware of that in the company. And again, they're always trying to find solutions to these disruptions. And if you have some ideas or, or opinions about this, that how it can be done better, it's a, it's a nice, uh, you know, showing your skills and your creativity. Um, I'd say also very importantly here is to understand what are the key skills for that company, right? Or that industry or sector. So there are very clear skill sets, for example, in consulting that are there, right? Um, and, you know, as an example, what are those? Analytical skills, clearly. Problem solving. Working in teams, collaboratively. Um, being able to be structured, to structure problems and find solutions to them, right? Uh, customer engagement, having good communication skills, being able to engage with the client, being able to facilitate a workshop, to present uh, results convincingly, to influence people, you know? So in every industry, you have this set of skills that are there for a kind of specific job function. So whether it's finance or in marketing or uh, a legal role or in investment banking, there's a kind of, so you need to learn about these skills. And the, I think the best place to look for that is normally through speaking to, so networking and speaking to alumni, people who are in those jobs, but also to look at job profiles and to speak to recruiters in recruiting events, uh, you know, in get to know sessions, because then you can ask them what are the key skills that they're looking for in people. And then you can see, of course, it helps you to also tailor the, the cover letter. It also helps you to, you know, to understand in the MBA, maybe you, you can you have the opportunity to develop skills in that area because the MBA is quite long. So you can also develop skills towards this industry that you're interested in. Um, you know, to, to round it off, I would say also look at uh, executive opinion. So this helps. So very often CEOs are going on to CNBC or they are giving, doing podcasts and giving opinion. So there you can also get a lot of um, information that's not normally publicly available. Right, that the CEO is sharing their thought process or what they're currently working on with their teams. That's also very nice. And you can actually refer to that. So you can say in the networking or a recruiting process, actually, I watched the pod, I listened to a podcast or I watched an interview with the CEO of the company. And it was very interesting that he was saying that, you know, this is what he's thinking about and this is the way the company is going. And, you know, in the company, people are also very focused on executive opinion or what executives are saying and what their views are. So, you know, it's also a good match and it also shows a good fit because you already know what the priorities are of the leadership of the company itself. Yeah. Finally, uh, recruiting needs. Uh, think about, so recruiting needs is very important to know because 
it happens that some companies in some years, they don't recruit people at all. They have a recruiting freeze. Okay, so um, we're recording this in 2020 uh, when we're coming out of the corona uh, crisis. Uh, and there clearly, there are companies that have stated that they will not have external recruiting for the foreseeable future, right? So they'll recruit internally or um, some companies will even lay off people, unfortunately, uh, maybe if this continues for longer. So, you know, you need to research that and ask the question. So is the company actually recruiting in a given year? And then which roles are they recruiting for? And then how many po how many uh, positions are they filling as well? That'll tell you, right? Are they recruiting MBAs, more importantly? And for which roles and for which regions? So in your region or the country where you are studying, maybe they're not recruiting. And I did see that this this happened in the business school, is that people have a dream company or a dream job they want to get, but just from a bad timing or an un, un, unlucky timing, it's just that that company is just not recruiting. So it's, it's closed off to you as an opportunity, right? On the other hand, you also need to see which companies are recruiting and a lot of them, right? And there you could also be surprised. So sometimes it's also about go and find where the opportunity is. So be open-minded. This is also part of the preference discovery. It can also be discovery of opportunity as well. And think about, uh, you know, who is there? So if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see a lot of uh, people or CEOs that actually have in their name, next to their name, we're hiring. So that's actually a good way to go and see. And a lot of time is startups. And I think startups now are using this as an opportunity to get uh, really talented people now in the current situation. But it's there, you know, to even asking the question in networking events, on LinkedIn, reaching out to recruiters. So normally what I've seen in a lot of the, the bigger companies, so your Fortune 500 companies in Europe, they normally have like a campus coordinator or MBA recruiter or campus recruiter and then that person, they could come to the campus or you could actually search for them on, on LinkedIn if you have the right search term. And they can actually tell you if they're recruiting or not. The same applies also to internships, which we haven't touched on yet. But I can tell you all these principles apply just as much to internships as it would for a full-time uh, role. It's, it's, it's exactly the same process. So, yeah, so the recruiting event is there and, um, and the recruiting need, of course. So this is, um, you know, what you should identify. Wow, wow, races. We covered a lot of ground here. How one does keep up to date with all this uh, information? Where, I mean, there are, of course, um, clear uh, sources of information, but if we want to make a summary of the sources of information, where do you suggest I, as an MBA, should look for? Yeah, so that's very important, of course. And, and the thing is, there's actually multiple sources. And uh, the principle here is that is not to use one source. So it's not, it's not to say there's the best source of information, but it's to use the best combination or as many sources as possible to get the full picture. Because all of the points we've discussed before this, you can't get from one source. That's the point. You need to get it from multiple sources. So the first, uh, so I'll run through them. So the first one is uh, clearly the career center organized workshops and talks, right? So part of the benefit of joining a good MBA program is that they'll have a career center with the resources, um, you know, with uh, relationships with companies that they will actually bring companies in to do presentations. That's a very good source of information. But they also bring in 
uh, you know, experts. So they're also doing uh, workshops or talks from alumni or maybe from consultants, which they bring in, which are helping you to understand a particular industry, right? And this was also happening when I was at HEC, is that there would be, um, you know, like deep dive sessions or get to know workshops. Normally they were done on the weekend. It was a full day workshop, or even a two day workshop where uh, a person would come in who's an expert on consulting or on investment banking, uh, on marketing, sustainability, all different sectors, right? And then they would actually do a, a tutorial on a workshop going through the whole industry from the key companies, you know, through to the skills, uh, to the recruiting processes, to the recruiting calendars, uh, all of these factors. So that is really a, a great, it's a huge benefit to have exposure to that because it's really a, a shortcut and giving you a lot of also inside information because normally those alumni or those uh, consultants are in the industry already or they might be recruiters in the industry or have had recruiting roles in multiple uh, companies. So very good way to look at it. Also talking about the career center is also to... Uh, talk to specific career center managers, right? Or partners. So the career centers are also trying to have um, people working there to partner with students that have actually come from the industry, right? And they try and keep, um, you know, a diverse portfolio or diverse group uh, of um, career center managers who can then uh, also share their information and their network, uh, con networks uh, with you and their contacts. So Career Center is the first stop, uh, you know, great resource and it's an advantage, right? So this is something that's not publicly available to anyone. It's actually only for the MBAs uh, in, the, in the schools that have this Career Center and you should use it. The other one is to look at the uh, career fairs that are on the campus. So this is also, you know, where you can do a lot of networking itself, which we will cover in the next episode. But the career center uh, fairs are there where companies are coming to campus, they're bringing brochures, they're coming with employees, not just recruiters, but often also employees of the company. Uh, they have videos that they can share, um, and you can also talk to people directly and ask questions. So this is where you know, MBAs need to be very strategic in doing their preparation very early in the MBA, even before the MBA, already start the planning process. So that when you join the MBA program, from the first opportunity that there is to go to the workshops or the talks or the career fair, that you plan to be there, you target the companies, you already have prepared your facts, right? And all the information we've spoken about, that you can go and be effective in targeting specific companies because you can't talk to everyone in, a, in the time that's available. You have to be selective. And that's where the career fairs come in. You get a huge amount of information. And if you're prepared with a good set of questions, also prepared with your own understanding, you can get definitely um, a lot out of that. Company websites, definitely key, you know, uh, stop, I would say, one of the main uh, sources that you need to go along your journey. And, uh, you know, why? Because the company website has normally a section with a mission, with the principles, with the goals, they will have uh, annual reports, and the annual reports are maybe a 100-page document. There's also a lot of information there. There's a statement by the CEO, maybe even business uh, about different businesses, about the future, about the challenges. Um, for example, U.S. companies, they're required to also list material risks, 
that the company faces in their investor filing. So that's also a good place to find the uh, regulatory risk or disruptive factors we've spoken about, for example. Um, also to understand the financial position of the company. Clearly for you as an MBA, you want to work for a company that has a very good financial position because you're placing your career and your future on the company. But it's also then uh, interesting to show that you understand the uh, the financial position, the investment plan, and so on. So if you you know, also good to talk numbers at some point. Uh, other thing with company websites, there could be other reports, there could be social media uh, as well, and that brings me to the next point. So uh, LinkedIn, very nice source of information, because on LinkedIn companies are also then putting uh, other content that's not on the website or the company reports. It could be company events. It could be uh, trainings. It's it's kind of a, also snapshots of day in the life of the company employees and events that are valuable for them that they proud to share with everyone. And also you'll see on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, there's also other sets of information that are shared there, right? So LinkedIn could be more like company or, or formal or professional events, but then on Facebook, the companies are having more of a brand focus more of a, a fun side or a, a, a kind of a social aspect. And then you can also learn a lot uh, from that and maybe even get to see, you can get to know employees of the company if they include it in the LinkedIn or the social media activities because you'll have their name. And then you can also use that to reach out to them on LinkedIn when you start the networking process and uh, say, you know, use that as a good starting point to say, oh, I actually watched this video about your company and I saw that you actually had um, a good statement or very you were very positive about the company itself and that can be a very nice uh, starting point on this point i would add that if you add some employee from the company pay attention to what they share on linkedin because that may give you a sense of what they are interested in or what's going on inside the company yeah absolutely uh, this is also something i'm doing myself so i'm also sharing company posts on my linkedin uh, profile and, um, you know, that's definitely a good way to, to do it as well, to see what people, individuals are sharing and also especially the senior people, what they are sharing because they, it's, it's kind of like getting an insight into their thought process, which is, which is great, right? Like this was not existing, I think, even, uh, you know, five or ten years ago, it was not so typical to share this publicly, you know? Um, yeah, so the final ones that I have is uh, books. So sometimes actually reading a book, getting to know an industry can be helpful. So people that are interested in McKinsey, for example, there was actually a book that was written about McKinsey, uh, the corporate culture, the history, and so on. So yes, okay, a book is uh, it's not the most up-to-date information, but if you really are passionate about a company, uh, you can read up about it. So like Jack Welch's autobiography, which he wrote about in his, you know, his career and his uh, experience of leading the company, would be interesting. There's books on Google, there's books on Facebook, on Amazon. So on all the big companies, actually, there's been something published. So if you really are passionate about a company and you manage to find some time to read a book uh, in the MBA, which is not easy, it can also be an opportunity. I mean, of course, you can also selectively research the, the book content. Uh, YouTube, I'll add on as well. So I think it's for me something separate from uh, you know the LinkedIn and social media, which is more like short posts. On YouTube, it's more longer you know, professionally produced videos and content. So what I found is that from LinkedIn to Facebook to YouTube, you get different content or the company website. It's all different types of content. Uh, so YouTube is there and, and also, I mean, perhaps even third-party views. 
And finally, the source of information, which we've touched on uh, as well, but is really uh, networking. So networking is a huge source of information. And, um, you know, that means, you know, talking to people who work for the company, speaking to recruiters, uh, engaging with alumni and, uh, and doing that further. But um, we'll actually do a deep dive of the networking topic on the next episode. And that's the perfect teaser to make you listen to the next episode. <laughs> okay, Oresis, uh, thank you very much. We really covered a lot of things here. So we will have the notes on our website. Again, if people want to reach out to you, they can use LinkedIn. And yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. We will deep dive into networking, which is probably one of the most important source of information, right? And recruiting. Yeah, that's great. Uh, thanks, Andres. Until the next one. Thank you for joining for this episode of the MBA Talk podcast, a podcast brought to you by Opnist Institute. You can find all notes for this episode, as well as subscribe for future episodes at opnist.com slash MBA Talk. That's O-P-T-N-E-S-S.com slash MBA Talk. And if you are enjoying the show or have any comments, topics, or guest suggestions, I love if you shoot me an email. My name is Andres, and you can write me to mbatalk at opnes.com. With that, thank you, and we'll see you in the next episode.